new life. Are you guys ready? Are you sure you're ready? Please turn to someone and say, are you sure you're ready? Because from the platform, from the platform, you are going to receive a request. And I am looking forward to a seasonal, cheerful, merry reply. All right? So, new life. Merry Christmas. Um, it is the season for Christmas, and it is the season where we get to celebrate that God gave his greatest gift to us. Amen? Would you guys stand up? We're going to sing this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your gift. Lord, that you made um, a relationship with you possible through the gift that you sent um, that we celebrate during Christmas. Lord, I ask that you would remind us this morning that you are here with us. Uh, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just kidding. We're going to sing that song, but we're going to sing it later. <laughs> now we're smiling.
Darkness tries to roll over my bones And sorrow comes to steal the joy out Brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide and I am not a captive to the light I'm not afraid to leave my past behind no I won't be shaken I won't be shaken my fear doesn't stand a chance when I Go! 
next song um, is one of the only songs that I have played at my house for my kids. Um, and it, I mean, you guys are going to pick it up real fast. It's here now, okay? That's the premise of the whole song. Um, and is that as God is here right now. Um, and it's, it's one of the songs that I have sung over my children when they're falling asleep. That last song that says, you know, fear can't stand against, right? There's something about knowing that your dad and that your mom are there, amen? That calms your fears and says, everything's gonna be okay. Come on, if your parents are next to you, come on, give them a hug. I want to remind you, and I hope that this song reminds you that God is right here. Kids, I don't know what you guys are going through, but God is here. Teenagers, nobody knows what's going on with you. God is right here for you. And I know I'm being funny, but really, this is one of the, the scariest, most confusing times of your life. God is right here for you. People that are going to college, just got married, got little kids, and you have no idea what you're doing. Come on, 
How many of us need God's reassurance this morning? Come on.
Father, if that is true, and it is, but if that is true, comfort our hearts right now with whatever we're going through. Encourage our faith to trust you in difficult times. To know that with you with us, there's nothing that can defeat us. Because you are for us. And with us. And love us and care for us, and comfort us. Holy Spirit, have your way today. Encourage our hearts, please. In Jesus we pray, and all God's people said, amen. You can't be seated, because I've got a whole list, and if I have you seated, then I'm going to take longer to go through this list. So, a couple things. This Thursday, November 30th, at 5.30 p.m., we have a Deck the Halls church decorating party, and we need lots of help. We will, we will make Costco cookies appear. <laughs> and we will celebrate, we'll start Christmas off as a church family, amen? And if you've already beat us at it, then you're already trained to help and be good at it. So 5.30 this Thursday. Uh, I, I talked about a teaching that I was going to do. Hey, what are you doing here? Announcements, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that, that one's yours. Yes, never mind. She's my wife. I can do that. Not yet. Uh, I, I talked last week about a teaching that I'm, I felt like I made a mistake on. And when I say make a mistake, it wasn't the teaching that was a mistake. It was that I didn't realize the impact that it would have. And so uh, I scheduled it on Tuesdays. Uh, and then I realized I wanted to do a 6 a.m. in case couples don't want to sit together in this. So guys, you're, you're available to come at 6 o'clock in the morning. But we're going to do it on Wednesday. Wednesday, the December 6th, December 13th, December 20th, and it's about three, three spirits that are in your home, and two of them you don't want, and one of them you do. So I, I want to give you some teaching that will help you with that. It'll, it'll change your, your home life, I promise you, guarantee, change your home life. First Thursday is Thursday, December 7th, that starts at 6 o'clock, potluck, communion, teaching. We're going to have a great time that night. I'm really looking forward to it, December 7th. Um, and now it's your turn. Okay. <laughs> Ladies, I just want to invite you all to our women's Christmas ornament exchange. It's a white elephant exchange, and it's on December 15th at 6 o'clock. So everybody, the maximum amount you can spend on your Christmas ornament is $15. It can be beautiful. It can be ugly. It can be funny. Whatever you choose, just bring an ornament and, uh, and make sure it's like either wrapped or in a bag and also bring a dessert. And if you want to bring a friend or two or three or four or five or ten or a hundred, that would be wonderful. <laughs> All right. I, need to, I don't need that. I don't know what you don't Thank you. Uh, real quick, uh, Christmas Eve service, uh, Sunday, 10 a.m. on December 24th. 
And sometimes we do a night service. We're not going to do that this year. And the reason is, is I want you husbands and you men in the family to go home. And I want you to read the, the Christmas story to your family. You're the preacher that night. If you're a single mom, you're the preacher that night. So you need to, you need to share that. I, and I think it's important for you to start. That's a tradition you need in your family where you start reading the Bible together, especially on days like Christmas where we celebrate the birth of our, our Savior. Amen. Um, vision night, uh, December 31st, 6 p.m. Uh, that's a Sunday night. So we're going to do Sunday morning service. And we're going to do Sunday night service. And some of you haven't done that in years. You need it. Yes. <laughs> you need a Sunday night service. Amen. And we're going to have a great time that night. No, we're not staying up till midnight because I go to bed at 9 o'clock. So I just kind of kind of help the old people out. But you younger ones can stay, hang around and stay here all night long for all I care. It doesn't matter. Just don't burn the building down, whatever you do. But... Let me pray real quick for the offering. Father, we just pray that you be with these people. I pray, Lord God, that you let the world know that you take care of your children. And so I pray that you bless their finances because they're faithful to you with their finances. So encourage their hearts to trust you today. Father, this is a tough season for a lot of people. It's starting to get cold. Things are getting expensive. And Father, they need your help right now. So encourage them to trust you and you'll take care of them. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. and one more song. At least someone's having a good time. <laughs> there is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of a Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear praises, he hears faith.
Amen. Y'all may be seated. Let's dismiss the kids at this time. We have, uh, and I apologize for the inconvenience, but we have some baptisms today. Somebody asked me, why don't we do it on one specific day all the time? Because in the Bible, when people got saved, they got baptized. And if I interrupt your schedule, you might want to find a different church. Because we're going to see people saved and baptized. Amen. Watch them grow in Christ. Fall passionately in love with Jesus. Lose their voice because they're preaching. I got a long sermon. We'll, we'll get out of here about 2.30. And I, I listened to a sermon this morning about a guy who got so tired he fell out of the window and died. And the preacher got to resurrect him from the dead. That was the Apostle Paul. So if you fall asleep and die, you'll give us something exciting to do today. I know, just start preaching. The premise that I have for this series is that if people knew what the future was going to hold, if they honestly knew what the Bible says about their future, they would live differently. If you really understood what's going to happen in the future, if you really confidently knew what the Bible taught about the future, it would change the way you live right now. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, and I've got like so many verses, I'm like, they're going to be working their fingers to the bone up there, so you need to pray for them. 1 John 3, 2 says, oh, have I prayed? What is wrong with me? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, one day, we're all going to bow our knees to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Believers and unbelievers all together are going to celebrate the fact that you are God and that Jesus is our Savior. So, Father, I just pray today that as I teach this today, that you take the me out of it and let them hear from you directly. Let them understand what your words say as your words are spoken as they, and they receive them into their heart, that it changes them. To the Christian, I'm just saying, Father, the future is bright for us. So encourage your hearts to understand what's going to make it so awesome. We love you today. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Now I'll read. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're a child of God. Amen? It's going to take me to get forever to get through this. There's so much I just want to talk about. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him does something. They purify themselves as he is pure. So if we know that one day we're going to meet Jesus, we're going to want to make sure that we're ready to meet him. My wife, when we first got married, and she did it for several years until the kids got too overwhelming. But every time I came home from work, she would have dinner on the table. She would be dressed up nice. She would be waiting for me to come through the doors. 
and prepared to meet me. Now you say, well, that sounds stupid. That's because of this generation doesn't understand how to do marriage. We're going to talk about that in January. Amen. But because she knew I was coming home, she wanted to present herself in a way that would cause me to be thankful for what I've done during the day to support her and, and, her, and our family. Again, I know this generation has no idea what I'm talking about. But if you know you're going to meet Jesus, don't you want to be prepared to meet him? Yes. And now's the time to do that. You can't wait till he shows up and then say, now I'm going to get ready. He's going to notice you don't have your makeup on. <laughs> Amen? He's going to notice your hair's all goofy. Right? My wife just snorted, so you got to pay attention to the things that happen in church. We've talked about the book of Revelation and how it shows us what the future holds. And we've discussed mainly the second coming of Christ and how his first coming, he came as a child to redeem us from our sins on the cross. That's why we celebrate Christmas is for the, the birth of the, the child Jesus. And we talked about how the second coming will be in two parts. There will be the rapture to remove the Christian from the earth and we're going to meet him in the air. He's not going to touch the earth. He's just going to come down in the air. We're going to go up. Dead in Christ will rise first. Then we're going to go. We're going to meet him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I got one amen out of all that. You guys are going to have to get into this because the second one is to return to rule and reign for a thousand years. And then Satan, there's a whole thing that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, how the end is going to happen. But his second coming is in two parts, rapture and then return. And I want to talk about that point between when we leave this earth and the return of Christ. I do want to remind you that during the time that we are raptured from the earth, the earth will be ruptured. There will be three and a half years of tribulation and then three and a half years of great tribulation. So it separates like it's going to be bad and then it's going to be the worst it has ever been according to scripture. We'll talk about that next week, which ought to excite you. There's 21 judgments of God that'll come upon the earth, and we're going to discuss those next week. There's 21 judgments that are going to go on in, in seven years that the earth is going to experience. But the wrath of God, and I want you to understand this, the wrath of God is not the only thing going on in that seven years. We will be with Jesus. Now, some say we'll, we'll get up there and have wings like angels. We were not created as angels. We were created as human beings. If you have wings now, there's something wrong with you. Because you're not human. They say we're going to be sitting on clouds. How boring is that? I don't want to die, go to heaven, and sit on a cloud. I mean, what a... Some of you would like to rest a little bit, but, but like eternity on a cloud? Knowing me, I'd get the Oregon clouds, so they'd be full of rain, it'd be moist, right? It's going to take me forever to get... Some say we're going to play harps. Could you pick the dumbest instrument on the planet? I mean, my generation, harps were not the thing. Electric guitars, maybe, but I can't even do that. But what I'm saying is, 
We're told that these are the kind of things we're going to have in heaven, the kind of things we're going to have with the Lord. They're, they're going to be angels' wings, clouds, and harps. That's all lies. It's not true. But there is a truth to what's going to happen in that time, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about it, and i got to hurry up because i got a lot to talk about. There's two things that are going to happen for the Christian. We're not going to be on the earth. We're going to be raptured from the earth. Amen? Amen. That's the good news. That Jesus saved us not just from our sins, but from the wrath of God to come. And so we're going to be there with him. What are we going to be doing there? There's two things. There's going to be the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so let's talk about, we're going to break it down into two sections. We're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to talk a lot about the judgment seat of Christ. Because the Bible speaks a lot about this moment. Revelation chapter 22 verse 12. One of the last things that Jesus said to the Apostle John when he was getting the revelation. Jesus said, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Now, we're going to talk about this just a little bit. Some of you are worried about that time. Like you're stressed out that, that what God's going to do is going to put on the big screen in front of every Christian that's in heaven and show everybody your sin. That's not what's going to happen. He says he's going to bring recompense with him to repay each one for what he has done. So recompense is God's compensation for what you've done for him on this earth. Did you get that? Being a Christian is like having a job. And you'll get paid for the work that you've done here. You'll be recompensed. You'll be rewarded. You'll be rewarded for what you do here for the kingdom. And I wonder, as, as I, I thought about that this morning, I wonder how many of us are going to be upset when we get up there and we're not going to have much to show for what we did here because everything that we did here was for ourselves. Amen? Paul viewed it this way, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And it moved Paul to evangelize. And he said this in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So he wanted others to have this experience with God. That the judgment seat of Christ would be a positive experience. Remember, Jesus is going to come in the air. Trump's going to blow. We're going to go up to be with him in, in, in heaven. And we're going to meet him at this. We're going to meet at this judgment seat of Christ at some point in time. And we're going to be compensated for what we've done here on the earth for the kingdom. Paul saw this as a time when the truth of our faith will be revealed. And he said this in 1 Corinthians 4, 5. I told you I got a lot of verses. Like, if you try to keep up with me, because there's a lot of verses. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart then each one will receive his commendation from God. There's going to come a point in time where our, the truth of our faith is going to be revealed. Did you really trust Christ with your life? Did you trust him as, as, as the Savior for your sins? Yes, that's one thing. But did you trust him with every other aspect of your life? Or did you trust what the world had to, had to offer? He made it clear in... Um, 
Romans 14, so each of us will give an account of himself to God. So Paul said, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. We will all stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of how we lived on this earth as Christians. Are you with me? Now, I squeezed this verse in here just because I, it's always troubled me, and I don't know if it really fits here or not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it here because I believe this is where it fits. But I believe what will happen is, is you're standing at the judgment seat of Christ. God will call your pastors to the forefront. Now, maybe you've only had one pastor, so they'll just call one, but some of you, he might be call, calling multiple pastors. And, and they're gonna, he's going to say, what kind of a Christian were they? And here's the scripture that I use for that. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. That's talking about pastoral responsibility. As those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. So standing for the judgment seat of Christ, I believe what he's going to do is he's going to call you up. He's going to call your pastor up and he's going to say, how were they? And you're going to want me to lie. <laughs> but that's not how it works. I'm going to have to be honest. And I'm going to have to be honest about how you work. And you're going to want your pastor to be honest standing before Jesus. They were hard to pastor. I told them to read their Bible. They never read their Bible. And then they got mad at me because they didn't read their Bible. I shared the gospel with them and they, they, they received it, but they didn't do anything else with it but that. They kept me up at night with their negativity. Or I'm going to be able to say they were the greatest people to pastor ever. They made me happy. They brought me so much joy in the way that they loved Jesus and the way that they served Jesus and the way that they sacrificed for Jesus. I loved watching them in relation to Jesus Christ. First, Thess I have so much trouble with this word right now. I don't know if it's my disease or whatever, but First Thessalonians 5.12 says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. See, this generation is struggling with pastors right now. And you don't like to think that God puts people over you, but that's what he does. That's how he puts pastors over you, to watch over you in the Lord. And how you respond to that leadership is going to be reflected in this seat, judgment seat of Christ moment, I believe. But I got to add, the judgment seat of Christ is, I'm, I'm say, makes it sound like it's punitive, but it's not. Because Jesus Christ had already forgiven our sins, has he not? Yes. Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2 says, um, There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So he's not condemning you. He's not punishing you. He's trying to get to the truth of how you lived your life on this earth. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. By Jesus Christ's offering on the cross, he paid for your sins. So sin's not going to be the issue. Because Christ bore our sins on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. The judgment here is unrelated to the problem of sin. It is solely for the bestowing of rewards for what we have done on the earth as Christians. 
It could be the greatest time of your life to be able to celebrate what you have done for, for God to honor him and to live for him. But the problem is there, there is a little negativity here and I, I can't get away from it because our disobedience on the earth will cause us to lose rewards at the judgment seat. So you could have this long list of rewards that God had planned for your life and because you did not obey him, you, you, you'll never receive them. 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I've laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ is our foundation. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, he goes on to say, each one's work will become manifest for the day, judgment day, will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each has, one has done. So there'll be this fire and, and the works of your life will go through this fire and anything that is precious to God survives it. And anything that is worthless to God is burned up in it. If the work that anyone built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss and he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So that doesn't mean you're not going to lose your salvation at this moment because you didn't serve him the way that he wanted you to on the earth. You're just going to lose reward. But you're going to say, be saved yet so as by fire. Because the only thing that can't be destroyed is the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. Are we having fun yet? Because I'm like only a quarter of the way through this thing. The things you've done well for the kingdom will be rewarded gold, silver, precious stones. The selfish things, wood, hay, and stubble will be destroyed. I'm going to make a statement. Earthly accolades receive no heavenly attention. Earthly accolades receive no heavenly attention. If you go to Warrington High School's uh, trophy case and you look for anything that is in the 1980 to 81 season for Warrington football, you will find my name on multiple trophies. Because I was awesome. <laughs> Greatest football player that Warrenton has ever seen. Just ask me. I'm the most humble about it. But you know in heaven, not one reward that I received here is going to matter there. And I watch parents as we, we try to have our kids be involved more in sports than the things of the spirit. And your kids are going to get no reward from that. Well, the earth will give them attention. Who cares if the earth gives attention? If God says, you get nothing from all that. Okay, that was fun. Jesus taught a lesson in Matthew chapter eight, 6 and verse 1. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Or practicing the good things you can do. For then you'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Meaning that what glory you get here will not be reflected up there. All the great things you do for uh, yourself or where you get honor and you get praise. Heaven's not going to be saying, 
oh, well, you were, you were on a, the most valuable player trophy. Nobody cares in heaven. What is important here is that this is a time of evaluation of how you spent your time on the earth by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself is going to, you're going to be speaking to him about how you've spent your time on earth. The one who came in the form of a servant. Who gave his life a ransom for many. Who is rewarded with a name above every name. Will be our judge of, of, of the works that we've done in our life. Standing before the Almighty. We will give an account of ourselves to God. 1 John 2.28 says. And now little children abide in him. So that when he appears we may have confidence. And not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Let me make a statement. There, there is, the scripture teaches, and we're going to talk about that in a, uh, about three weeks, I think. Where there will come a point in time in heaven where there will be no more tears. In fact, the tear ducts in our eyes, I don't think will be even necessary. Because there will be no more tears. But I believe in the judgment seat of Christ, as we can see what could have been or should have been, we can't help but feel shame. And the scripture teaches that there will be, a, a, for some of us, weeping and gnashing of teeth. That means sadness and stress. As we stand before the Almighty and we have to give an account for what we've done for Him. Luke twelve forty seven says, And the servant who knew his master's will did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But everyone who did not know and did what did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone who, to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Now, I'm not saying that he's physically going to beat you. I'm going to say, have you ever done that? You've done something wrong, and you feel like you got beat down? You just feel beat down? Are you with me? That's what I'm, I'm, I'm ascribing it to. Some of you are like, I didn't know that I was required of this. And you're not going to get beat down because you didn't know it was happening. I can tell you're all excited about this sermon. See, I don't believe standing before Jesus that remorse, regret, and shame can be avoided when our life is being examined. So there's this moment where our lives are examined. And what you've done for the kingdom will be rewarded. And what you haven't done for the kingdom will be released or removed. So what kind of rewards are we going to get? So what, what, at this moment, what, what are we going to get? So there's, there's five, and I'm sure there's probably more, but there's only five that I could find, types of rewards. And so, are you okay? The first reward is crowns. Now, crowns are a symbol of victory, authority, and responsibility. When you wear a crown, you have won something. When you wear a crown, you are responsible for or, or given authority over something. And when you wear a crown, you're given responsibility above what other people have. So there's five types of crowns given out, and I'm not going to take the time to go to each verse. You can look it up uh, when you get a chance. But the five crowns are this. There's the crown of life. And this crown is given to those who persevere under difficulties for the kingdom. So when you, for God go through difficult times and you suffer and struggle and you, you, you keep going, you don't quit. There's a, a crown of life that you're given. There's an incorruptible crown. This crown is given to those who demonstrate perseverance over temptation. 
I told my wife, and she didn't listen to me. But I told my wife, no pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. No pumpkin pie. And if we get pumpkin pie, no Cool Whip. Because I can't control the temptation that I have over wanting to eat pumpkin pie over everything else. And I don't want just pumpkin pie. I want Cool Whip on top of it. And I don't want just a scoop of Cool Whip. I want so much Cool Whip, all you see is the Cool Whip, you don't even see the pumpkin pie. You've got to work at seeing the pumpkin pie. I have a problem. And she puts me in a place of temptation. And I can't get, I lost my crown, my incorruptible crown, because I couldn't persevere over temptation. Some of you are really good at fighting temptation. You see pumpkin pie, and you can have yourself a little slice and just a little dollop of, of Cool Whip, and there's something wrong with you, but you can do it, and you don't gain any weight, and you don't get sick. Amen? Some of you are good at def- with temptation. I'm not. But some of you will receive an incorruptible crown because you have been able to defeat that. There's a crown of righteousness. This crown is promised to those who love and anticipate the second coming of Christ. So there are those who just can't wait for Jesus to come back. And they live their lives not for what their future is going to hold on the earth, but what their future is going to hold in eternity. Amen? When I was a little boy, about three or four years old, um, I would go into my mom and dad's kitchen. And in their kitchen, there was this big picture window with a, with a window seat. And I would sit on that window seat, and I could look down the road and see about half a mile away, a corner. And I would wait about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I knew my dad would be home between 4 and 6. And so from 4 and 6, I would spend my time sitting in the window. That's before we had color TV. <laughs> so I would sit there, and I would watch to see when my dad would come around that corner. When my dad would come around the corner, I would get so excited that my family had to restrain me from running outside and getting run over by the truck. Because <laughs> I couldn't wait to see my dad. Because when I saw my dad, and the rule was you can't run out there until you see the red lights in the, for the brake lights. So the brake lights would come on through one door. There's always another door. They always make it difficult to you in the, in the old days. Got through the second door. I would run out to the truck, and the first thing I would reach for in my right hand was my dad's lunchbox. Because my dad always left me some snack in the lunchbox because I, I actually think he didn't do it on purpose. I think he just forgot to eat something and made it sound like it was a snack. But I thought it was awesome because it was a snack for me. And I would take that lunchbox in my hand and I would, I would I'd put it to my right, right hand and right, hold it on my right side. And I would reach up and I would grab his right hand with my left hand and I would walk him into the house every day. I just wanted to see my dad. I couldn't wait to see my dad. I loved my dad. I, 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 I had to be restrained because I wanted to see my dad. That's where you get the crown of righteousness because you can't wait to see Jesus. You just look out the window and you just look up at the sky. I do that all the time. I just look up at the sky and say, okay, I'm ready. I'm waiting. There's a crown of uh, glory. This crown is given to pastors who faithfully fulfill their responsibility from God. The most difficult job on the planet is to be a pastor. I don't care what anybody says. It is the most difficult job on the planet to pastor people. Because everything's out of your control. Even if you're good, it's not good enough. And if you're too good, then you get filled with pride and then you fall. You, it's, it's, it's almost like being a pastor is like a no-win situation. And so I think God knows that. And so there's this crown of glory uh, for those who have been faithfully fulfilling their responsibility from God. So I just want every, and I try to tell every pastor that I know, 
One day it's going to be worth it. Just don't quit. Don't, don't give up because people are sinful, because people are sinful. Because there's also good people amongst even some of the evil people. Amen? Amen. Which we will give an account for one day. There's, finally, there's a crown of rejoicing. This crown is uh, rewarded to those who witness, disciple, and serve in the church. So I thought about Susie and Salvation, who've been teaching children's ministry since Moses came off the mountain. <laughs> Amen? And so I just, I just think of them and how they're going to receive, and they've missed most of the services in all the 20 years they've been in this church. They've missed most of the services where we gather together and we get to sit in here and we get to sing and we get to talk. They miss it because they're teaching kids. And now they're teaching kids so young, we don't even bring them into the auditorium because uh, they're just too noisy. No, that's, that's good. That's healthy. What's a baby making noise mean? Life. So get a little life in you. What is essential about these crowns is they reflect how you serve God on the earth. And one day, according to the scripture, we're going to lay them down at Jesus' feet. And so some of you will have nothing to lay down there. Have you ever been that one person that comes to the party and you've got, you, you brought nothing? That's what it's like. That's what it's about. One day we're going to lay those crowns down at Jesus' feet. And some of you are, are, aren't going to have anything to lay down. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 11 says, I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. You know, there's a possibility of losing that which you've gained. There's a possibility of losing that which you've gained because you've been irresponsible with it. I know you're thinking, this doesn't sound like a fun time. It's way better than what's going on in the seven years of tribulation. You'll receive crowns. You'll be honored for what you've done here. There's heavenly treasure, and um, I call it coins. Um, Matthew 6.20 says, But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth the rust destroys, where thieves do not break through and steal. I don't know what this treasure looks like. I just know it's treasure, so I, I think coins. Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. So heaven holds on to some kind of coin, some kind of worth, some kind of treasure that we lay up there for what we've done here. Now, this treasure that we lay up uh, is according to the financial uh, way we've lived our life here. If we have trusted God with our tithes and our offerings and we've had something to give him here, if you can do it here, you'll have something to give him here. And that's why I believe that the, the heavenly treasure the only purpose I understand it for is so that we have an offering. There's going to be offerings given to God, and you have to have something to give. And because you spent all your money here on you, you'll have nothing to offer God up there. Because you didn't give him offerings here. You'll have nothing to offer him there. So those, some of you are good at trusting God with your finances. Some of you are good at giving offerings. Some of you are very sacrificial and very good at it. You don't live for your a bigger house, you live for a bigger kingdom. Amen. And one day you'll have all this treasure and you just, you just throw it, you just want to give offering and offering and offering. And some of you are going to be as broke as you are now. 
in a place where streets are made of gold. You'll probably get caught stealing the gold streets, cobblestones. Can't do it. Third thing is recognition, and that's authority and responsibility. This, this is a lot of teaching, and I'll get to the preaching here in a minute. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter thou in the joy of your master. Luke 19, 17 says, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful over very little, you'll have authority over 10 cities. Now this is talking about what's going to happen in the thousand year reign of Christ. It's called a millennium, millennia. And so at that point in time, it's after the seven year tribulation, we're going to go back with Jesus on the earth uh, we're going to uh, rule and reign with him there. Some of you will have, some of you that you will never expect will be given authority over many cities. And some of you will be cleaning the toilets in those cities. And I'm not saying that to disgust you or to be mean. I'm saying some of you, because of what you've done for the kingdom, will be given responsibility. Because how you've been responsible with what little you've been given, God will give you a place of authority and responsibility. Well, that sounds like fun. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring light to judgment, the things, light the things, to light the things now hidden in darkness, and disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his condemnation, commendation from God. There will be recognition for what you've done here. And I say that because some of you are do so much for the kingdom. And you wonder, will it ever benefit me? Yes. There will be recognition by God for what you've done here, and you'll be given authority and responsibility over his things. There's a general promise to overcomers, and this is a large piece. You're just going to have to trust me on this with what it says. Uh, it's Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Seen throughout Revelation 2 and 3, Christians who overcome difficult times in the church age will receive a special reward from Jesus. Those of you who have fought through and for the church. There's a special promise. And if you look at all seven of the churches in the book of Revelation 2 and 3, uh, you'll see if you overcome a cold heart, he'll grant you to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. So the, the church had a cold heart. And if you overcome that cold heart, even if the church has a cold heart, you don't have to have a cold heart. Amen. Amen. Just because you don't find love in the church doesn't mean you can't love the church. And you'll be rewarded for that. You can't over, you, if you overcome the threat of persecution, the Bible says he, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Like you're persecuted for your faith. There'll be honor for that. If you overcome false teaching and false living, um, he that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church is the one who conquers. I will give the name, uh, I will give some of, uh, of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it that no one knows but the one who receives it. Now, this is a cool one for me. If you overcome false teaching and false living and you actually live for Jesus according to the way the scripture teaches and you trust what it says and you teach what it says is true, you'll receive something so, so special that only you and, and Jesus knows what, it, what this thing says. It'll be one of the most intimate gifts you've ever received. If you overcome idolatry and, uh, and immorality, the Bible says, to whom I'll give, to him I'll give authority over nations. If you overcome impurity, Revelation 3, 5, 
The one who conquers will be clothed in white garments, and I'll blot it, never blot his name out of the book of life, and I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels. Could you imagine God saying, hey, have you ever thought about Cassie Wall? Now, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven that are never going to get mentioned by God, but could you imagine? Have you ever thought about Mark Acuna? What an amazing guy. Have you ever thought about Steph? Have you ever thought about Carrie? Have you ever thought about Deborah? Have you ever thought about... I can't see anybody else, so... <laughs> if you overcome... Uh, idolatry and immorality, the one who conquers and keeps my works to the end, to him I will give authority over nations. He will give authority over nations. He will give authority over nations. You will be responsible for nations. I know some of you are thinking, I don't want to be responsible for nations. Why not? Why can't the lowest of the low, or at least if you feel like you're not worthy, in God's kingdom, rule and reign with him over more than what you think you can handle now? Overcoming weakness. Uh, the one who conquers, I'll make him a pillar of the temple of my God. He shall never go out, and I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God in New Jerusalem. When he comes down to God, uh, comes when which comes down from my God out of heaven. My own new name and my own new name. See, when you overcome weakness. There's a reward for that. There's a general promise to, if you overcome, there's a promise that he'll give you for that. If you overcome lukewarmness, and some of you are lukewarm today in your faith. If you overcome it, the scripture says, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. If I'm going to be in heaven, I want to be as close to Jesus as I can get. You guys are cool. I'll spend eternity with you. But I want to be as close to Jesus as I can be. And you do that by overcoming lukewarmness. And I know it sounds, I, I read these and I thought, these are some of the things that people have struggles with in church. But if you just overcome the church problems that you have, you'll be rewarded for that. See, these are not grounded to those who run around claiming church hurt and quit the church, but to those who stay and fight for her. Amen? I'm sick and tired of Christians who leave the church and badmouth the church and then complain about the church. And people think that they are the righteous ones. Revelation 2 and 3 talks about, it, it, it talks about churches going through difficult times. And not one time does it say, leave the church if you're not happy with it. It says, stay and fight for her. And you're rewarded for that fight. You won't be granted reward if you don't conquer your church hurt. And you can't help but get hurt by churches because churches are filled with people who are sinners who are saved by grace and led by pastors that are imperfect. I don't know who told you pastors were perfect, but whoever it was was a perfect liar. <laughs> I've made my mistakes. I have. But I try to confess them and repent of them. 
I can tell we're having fun now. The final reward is a special responsibility and authority over that which belongs to God. And that kind of overlaps a couple. But I'm just going to read you a couple of verses and then we're going to move on because we're going to run out of time. Matthew 24, 45 says, Who then is faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them food in their proper time? Blessed is that servant who, whom his master will find so doing when he comes, doing what you're called to do. Truly I say unto you, he will set him over all his possessions. God will set you over all his possessions. God will trust you so much that he will set you over all his possessions. That's a reward. Now remember, while this is going on, while this rewarding is happening, there will be some loss. It'll be short-lived, but there'll be some loss. And I'm just going to suggest to you right now that the things that you know you should be doing for the kingdom, you need to start doing now. Because getting up to heaven and then finding out you don't have them, you can't make up for what you didn't do here. Because this is where it's hard to be the Christian. It's not hard to be a Christian with Jesus. It's not hard to be a Christian in the air. It's not hard to be a Christian in heaven. It won't be hard to be a Christian for us in the millennial kingdom. Now is the hardest time for us to be doing what we know we're supposed to be doing. But while this is going on, while we're being rewarded with crowns and, and other things, I can't remember all the things that I just said. The earth is facing the wrath of God. And there's seven seal judgments of God's wrath. There's seven trumpet judgments of God's wrath. There's seven bold judgments of God's wrath. And those who didn't get saved before and then got saved after the rapture happens, you will have to go through that season of suffering. That's why it's important to get saved before you before the Lord returns and raptures us. And those who refuse to get saved during the tribulation period will suffer even more because you're going, to be, you're going to have to go through this and you're not going to have a savior. You'll have no hope. This is why the gospel is good news because if you trust that Jesus Christ paid for your sins and by faith you call upon him to forgive you of your sins and make him your savior, you don't have to go through the seven years of tribulation and great tribulation. But if you're going to take that step of faith and you're going to trust Christ to be your savior, then why not serve him the best you can while you're on this earth? Why not share the good news with others who might have to go through this seven years of tribulation? The gospel is good news, not just because your sins are forgiven and you get a home in heaven. It's that I don't have to go through the wrath of God. So what we do is work to share the good news. What you do here right now is essential for it will dictate how you spend that seven years. But there's something else happens in that seven years and I'm, this is really quick, so don't get all nervous at me, but it's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And there's not a ton written on this, so uh, I'm not trying to make things up. I'm just saying that what I believe will happen is there will be this judgment seat of Christ where we'll be rewarded for the things that we have done on the earth by Jesus Christ himself. And then this Marriage Supper of the Lamb will happen. And so Revelation 19.7 says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And the bride made herself ready and it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. 
For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. This is why I believe the judgment seat seat rewards come before the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because of this verse right here. Which literally says, the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So the good things you've done, you've been covered, you've, you've been rewarded. And an angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. And he's speaking to an angel. And he said, you don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers to hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So he says, blessed are those who come into the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's, so not only do we get rewards, we get to celebrate Jesus. So the, the marriage supper of the Lamb follows the Jewish marriage process. And it includes three steps. The bride and bridegroom sign a contract for marriage. The parents of the bridegroom pay a dowry to the bride and her parents. And then the groom goes and takes his bride and they have this marriage supper. So they sign a contract. They make an agreement. The dowry is paid. Groom goes, gets the bride. They celebrate in the marriage supper of the lamb, the union of their marriage. So for us, the first phase of the contract is signed on earth when each individual places his or her faith in Christ as their savior. When you make a contract, you trust Jesus and what he did on the cross to pay for your sins. And you say, I'm going to surrender myself. That I'm going to sign that that's what I want to commit my life to is the salvation that Jesus offers through the cross. And Jesus signed it when he went to the cross. So we sign it there. The second phase is the the dowry that's paid by the bridegroom's parents, who is God. And he pays it with the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the bride's behalf. The blood of Jesus Christ is our dowry. And then once paid, Jesus comes to get the bride. That's the rapture. And then, then the third phase of the marriage supper, which occurs between rapture and second coming. So we have this marriage supper in heaven. There's rewards and marriage supper. It's the celebration of our salvation and our saviors. We spend the rest of our days with Jesus. It's a party. It is a moment of excitement that even Jesus Christ himself said this in in Matthew chapter 26, verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it. Uh, new with you in my father's kingdom. I looked at that as Jesus is going to toast the relationship that he has with us. He's going to celebrate. He's going to be giving a toast over his bride. I don't know if you did that when you got married. I can't remember if I did that because that was a long time ago. But I always love it when I hear a bride, uh, a groom talk about his bride. Amen. Amen. During those seven years when the earth is burning to the ground, we will be saved from the wrath of God. Jesus talked about a parable where he invited people to the marriage supper. And the people said, I don't got time to go. They began to make excuse. Some of you have made excuse why you're not going to trust Christ as your savior. So he goes back to the master and the master of the house says, well, go out and, and invite 
these other people. So they went and invite this, invited the secondary people, and they all began to make an excuse. So he goes back to the master, and he says, Master, what do I do? And he said, well, go out in the highways and, he and the hedges and compel them to come in. Go find the homeless. Go find the messed up people. Go find us. Go find the people that don't think they're worthy, but they're hungry, and they want it. And they started to fill up the wedding feast, but the, the, the story goes to where the, the, man, the servant went to the master and said, but there's still room. There's still room for the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's still room in heaven for you. There's still room. There's still room. There's still room. There is still room. That's why we need to serve God to earn rewards to be able to reach more people for Jesus Christ because there's more room. That's why we want to be in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I want my family to be there. I want my kids to be there. I want my grandkids to be there. I want my, my parents to be there. Well, they'll already be there because they're with him now. There's still room. And you're listening to a preacher preach a message telling you that there's going to be this time where those who are saved are going to be raptured away and we're going to get these rewards for what we've done here and then we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. But there's still room. What are you going to do with that room that's still there? Are you just going to give up and walk away and say, you know, uh, I got too many things on the earth to take care of. I got to spend more time scrolling Facebook because there's so many exciting things. Romans 5, 8 and through 11 says, but God shows his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since then, we have now been justified by his blood. That's called redemption. That's why he came as a little boy the first time. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's the rapture. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's the dowry. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that though we have now received reconciliation, that's the marriage supper of the Lamb. God is offering mankind through Jesus Christ the forgiveness of sins, sacrificing his son on the cross to pay the debt for our sins. Paying for our sins, he offers us rewards for our faithfulness to him and, and obedience to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ for those who don't know it. And while the earth is burning to the ground because they refuse to receive Christ as their Savior, Jesus welcomes us as a bride where we will be rewarded and where we will celebrate. And you and I, along with Jesus, will rule and reign, be given responsibility over cities depending on the rewards we receive for the and, and for being responsible with the gifts he's given us. There's a song we used to sing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. That was terrible. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Not everyone's going to be singing that song. How do you want to spend those seven years? You want to spend it with reward, celebrating, in the marriage supper of the Lamb, celebrating? 
Or do we want to be suffering for that seven years on the earth? So I'm just going to warn you, next week is going to be heavy. But you need to hear what I'm going to say about next week. Because whether you show up or not, it's going to happen. And your only hope is that you trust Christ to be your savior so that your sins can be forgiven. So that when Jesus comes back, he raptures us out of here and we don't have to go through the tribulation period at all. I just got to go up to heaven and find out what rewards I've received for what I've done for the kingdom and be a part of a celebration of celebrating Jesus Christ as our savior. How do you want to spend those seven years? At a reward ceremony in a wedding celebration or on the earth experiencing the wrath of God? See, I didn't come to church to be depressed. I didn't come to church to make you depressed. I came to church to make sure that you know Christ is your Savior. I woke up this morning believing that if there's somebody here that does not know Christ is their Savior, today's the day they can trust Him. Their sins can be forgiven. You can start living for Him. You will get to heaven through the rapture and you'll be with Jesus forever and you'll be rewarded for what you've done. I know it sounded like the rewards are a bad thing, but the rewards are only a bad thing because some of you know that you should be doing more for the kingdom, but you're not. So there will be some suffering of shame there. But you don't have to be. You could fix that today. Are you 100% sure that if you died today, your sins would be forgiven? And that God would accept you into the presence of his son? Are you 100% sure? Because one of the things I don't want to do is I don't want to answer for this Sunday. And say, Andy, you did not ask them if they knew Jesus is their Savior or not. Because if I'm going to stand before God, I'm going to stand before God answering for what I did, making sure you understand the, stand the importance of trusting Christ as your Savior. And as Christians, you know the importance of you doing things for the kingdom of God more than you do things for your own kingdom. How many of you are living your lives for your own kingdom? Like all you care about is your house. Your house will be burnt up with a fervent heat. There'll be nothing left. But how much do you pour into your house? Your job is not what you do for a living. Your job is what you do for God. And how many of you put your job before your job on the earth before your job in eternity? The Great Commission is given in Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, which says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the, wor- end of the earth, or end of the world. Amen. Sorry, I messed that one up. Our job is to reach people. Teach people. See people rewarded in heaven for what they've done here on earth. Are you 100% sure that if you died today, your sins would be forgiven? And God would accept you into the presence of his son in heaven? Are you going to take your chances? I heard that conversation this morning. Some of you are going to take your chances. You're going to say, well, when the rapture happens and I don't go, 
then I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Great. Still trust Christ as your Savior. You'll, you'll, your sins will be forgiven, but you'll have to go through the tribulation period. That's stupid, but... Well, they've been saying that the end is coming for years. Yeah. And they haven't been wrong. 2,000 years in God's, count, God's clock is nothing. It only seems like a long time to you. Seven years seems like a long time. But the scripture teaches that Jesus said that if, if I don't shorten that time, no one will survive. Why wouldn't we just surrender today? God, it could be so awesome. Listen, being with Jesus could be so awesome as we get to watch you be rewarded for the things you've done here. Don't you want your kids, don't you want to watch your kids be rewarded by Jesus Christ himself? But they got a trophy. Nobody cares about a trophy. There's no earthly trophies in heaven. But he was the MVP. Who cares? I was 17. I could run from things. <laughs> like most 17-year-olds. Let's stand. Father, my preference... is to make people happy. Which is why being a pastor is the hardest thing for me to do. Because I can't make people happy. Especially when we're trying to make them holy. And Father, there's someone in this room who knows Christ is their Savior and their sins are forgiven. But they know they're being selfish with their life. And today's the day that they surrender the rest of their life to serving the kingdom of God. Because that's how we're going to spend eternity, serving the kingdom of God. We might as well practice here. Because if we practice here, maybe our serving the king will result in somebody being saved by the king. And so they don't have to suffer in that seven years. We don't have to be thinking, Father, about who we we didn't witness to because we were busy witnessing to everybody who came into our lives. We were sharing the gospel. We were sharing the good news that God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to pay for our sins. That if we just believe in him, Jesus Christ, we shall not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I don't want to miss out on anybody that you've called me to share that with. And I'm not really as worried about the rewards, but I am worried about what I'm going to have to lay down at your feet. I want to be able to show that on this earth I believed in you and I lived for you with all of my being. And Father, today's the day for these people to make a decision on how they're going to spend the rest of their lives. You might come this afternoon. It might be that quick. We might only have a couple of hours to earn some reward. Because I don't want to have anybody in this room to suffer. I don't want them to suffer shame 
Because all the things he did on this earth got burnt up in a fire and he was, became worthless. I'm looking forward to spending time with people, Father, who honor, have honored you with their lives and, Lord God, have lived in a way that glorify your name and people have come to know Christ because of them. But, Father, I also want to pray for those in the room that didn't understand a word that I said because this is not by flesh but by spirit. And they're wondering what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, Father, is their sins are going to separate them from God. But God gave us Jesus to pay for our sins. And we just need to have faith in what Jesus did as payment for our sins. Call upon him, trusting our lives with him, and then begin to serve him faithfully. I don't know where else to go, Father, other than just to say, with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you are not positive that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're not sure that your sins have been forgiven, you are scared that you may have to go through the tribulation period and you don't want to. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just do me a favor and raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm scared. I need to know Jesus. Is there anyone? Okay, that tells me that the rest of you are believers in Jesus Christ. How many be honest and say, I know that I'm not living in a way that's going to grant rewards. Pray for me. Amen. 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 I appreciate that. Today's the day, guys. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just come, come up to this altar and just surrender your life today. Just tell him I want to live for you. Come on, come up to this altar. I need to repent of living my life for personal rewards, not eternal rewards. Surrender your life to him today. He wants to reward you. Don't you want to be at that marriage supper of the Lamb and be excited? that you were a part of something that saved people from their sins. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Worship team is going to come to the platform. Just lay it all out there. Say, here I am, Lord. Some of you know you should be serving him and, and you're being selfish with your time and yourself because you're thinking about what's earthly best for you and not what's eternally best for others. Today's the day to repent of that. Today's the day to be honest and recognize that you know you're not living for anyone but yourself and it's time to start living for the Lord Jesus Christ because he is your savior. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is it real? I can't wait to see what God does with this moment. Whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Let's sing just a song. You got a few more minutes, right?
God's calling you to him right now. Father's paying attention to how you're responding to him today. How are you responding? Let your voice be on. 
Do you feel him? Do you feel his presence right now? That's the weight. There should be a weight, a heaviness. It should move us to surrender. It should move us to sacrifice. It should move us to see just what great things God could do with people who are imperfect like you and me. I want to get to heaven and say, what an awesome group of people I got to do life with. How they cared and sacrificed and suffered for the kingdom and gave their lives for you. I can't wait to see you at the marriage supper of the Lamb where we all get to celebrate and Jesus toasts his bride. More than anything, I just want to keep you out of that seven years of tribulation and great tribulation. You do not have to go through it if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. So if you've got any questions about your salvation, do not be afraid to come talk to somebody who's up here at the front. We will share with you how you can know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Father, we love you. Do we not, church? We love you for all that you've done for us. I'm thankful for people who've given their lives for the kingdom so that I might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that I might be able to share that same gospel with those who do not know it. My Father in heaven shared, and not my godly Father, but my earthly Father who's in heaven, shared Jesus Christ with me because somebody shared Jesus Christ with him. Because on this earth, if my Father wouldn't have been saved, I don't know what my life would have turned out like because he shared Jesus with me. Father, help us to live for you today. Encourage our hearts, Father, as we go out to these baptisms that you are honored by everything that is done, that the hearts of the people who are getting baptized know for sure that Jesus Christ is their savior and they're not ashamed of him and they want the world to know that they've been buried in the likeness of his death and now they're raised to walk in the newness of life because of what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. Encourage our hearts. We love you so. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Don't take off yet. Don't take off yet. People are still praying. They can still pray. Don't feel like you got to go. If you're going to get baptized, I need you to meet me over here. And we're going to talk about our next step. But we're going to go. If you don't know where the Yacht Club is, wait a few minutes and you can follow somebody to the Yacht Club. We need somebody. Who can I use to do that? Who will guide people down there? Adam Cave. He's the tallest one I saw on that side, so you picked him out. Um, he's got, and you got your big truck? So he's got this big, tall four-wheel drive. Just, if you don't know where you're going, wait until you follow the big four-wheel drive. He'll show you where to go. You can't miss it. It's awesome. It's a beautiful vehicle. And so I just, just want you to follow him. If, it's going to take a few minutes, though, to talk to people about Jesus. So give us a couple of minutes. We'll be heading down there in just a minute. We're going to do some baptisms. Are you okay with that? Let's pray one more time. Father, we love you. Do your work only the way that you can. That your spirit will open our hearts up to the truth of whether we're saved or not. And once we've settled that for sure, that we'll surrender our lives in service to you.
more important than any other aspect of our lives. The, the kingdom of God will come first so that you are honored by the way that we live our lives. We love you. We need you. We, we passionately want to serve you. I thank you for people that I get to do life with on a weekly basis who love Jesus Christ. And I just am excited for more. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. all right, don't forget your kids. And then go to the baptism down at the Yacht Club. <laughs>